Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. Welcome to Loopold's Hunt Talk Radio. As I was walking, I saw a sign on the sign it said no trespassing, but on the other side it didn't say nothing. Well, that sign was made for you and me. Hey folks, Randy Newberg here with another episode of Leopold's Hunt Talk Radio. You probably think I ran off and joined the circus or did something. It's been so long since I've done a podcast. Uh, well, I think most of you who listen to our mid-season update know that uh, there's a reason why there's been some delays. And I apologize for that, but we're finally getting through some of this uh, and we're going to start catching up on stuff. So uh, appreciate all of you being here. Appreciate all of you uh, supporting us, all the kind comments we've received uh, in support of my mom. Uh, means a lot to me and, and to my whole family. Uh, but anyhow, today, uh, Marcus Hockett, the, the man himself, uh, is here. And we're going to do a wrap on what our season was like in the last half of the season. Uh, talk about some things we learned along the way and hopefully our storytelling skills are good enough that it's worth hanging around here to listen to so uh we got to make sure that you know who makes this possible who supports us uh and in the process supports all the content we put out there for you uh this is called leupold's hunt talk radio for a reason the great folks at leupold support everything that we've done now for 14 years so if you're in the market for optics go to loophole.com uh and uh check them out great company beaverton oregon uh supports everything in the hunting shooting conservation world and not far down the road from them uh in bend oregon is the nosler family uh nosler ammunition uh again another one of those great companies that does so much to support all the things we love and uh if you go to the stores i hope you look for those companies leupold and nosler uh go to nosler.com uh you can actually buy ammo uh from their website uh, maybe i don't think you can if you live in california but I, I think the rest of the world can so uh go there and check them out great great company uh also uh brought to you by mystery ranch packs uh, great company and maker of amazing packs we've been using their stuff for i don't know how long i bought my first mystery ranch pack i think in 2006 when dana started it and uh this year i've been using my bear tooth 80 uh the crew's been using their metcalfs uh great great stuff and if you want to save some money on a mystery ranch pack here's what you should do you should go out to gohunt.com in their gear shop pick out the mystery ranch pack that you want and when you check out use promo code randy and they're going to give you 10 percent off not just that pack but just about everything else in your cart that isn't a sale item you know they run a lot of big sales out there uh I always try to use promo code Randy out there because you never know what's going to give you that 10% discount. But just know that if you do it and it's an item on sale, they probably aren't going to give you uh, 10% off beyond that. Uh, but And then uh, if you want to think of a, 
a gift to give that what I'll call a hard to buy for hunter in your life, I got two ideas for you. Uh, one is our Fresh Tracks Plus platform. If you go out to freshtracks.tv, it's all of our content since we started, plus all the new stuff, plus some content that's never going to be anywhere else. Uh, and a bunch of live events, a whole bunch of other stuff. And you can get it with your smartphone apps of whether Droid or iPhone, and then the four most popular uh, smart TV apps. So you can watch it right there in the big screen at home. So that's one option. The other is my buddy Corey Jacobson has the University of Elk Hunting and uh, another online course. If you go there and, and sign up for that and use promo code Randy, I think he gives you 20 bucks off, if I remember right. So go to elk101.com, check out the University of Elk Hunting, and uh, that'd be an option for you. And then uh, it's application season. You hear us talk about that all the time. Uh, in order to go hunting, you got to have a tag. And the way that we find the tags that we end up with, you know, draw odds, research, strategy articles, all that. And now it comes with kind of the all-in-one-place deal that gives you maps. Like they call it real 3D, mobile maps, desktop desktop maps, all kinds of cool stuff. You can get it when you sign up as a member of the Go Hunt Insider. Uh, Go Hunt Insider has the promo code Randy that when you sign up for Insider and use that promo code, they're going to give you $50 of credit immediately to buy stuff in their gear shop. So there you go. Now with that, let's, uh, let's hit the button here and Marcus and I are going to do a little storytelling and then I got a whole list of other podcast guests that are going to be popping up here. And uh, hopefully we'll get caught up on these podcasts that, sorry, I got behind. It just, and they call that, you know, the storms of life. And uh, I think we're weathering the storm pretty well. And with all your support, all your kind thoughts and warm wishes, uh, I just, I wish I had words to thank you all enough. Um, you, you get to certain events in life and you realize how how lucky you are to have so many people uh, that are are interested in in things going well for you and uh, you, you, none of you well some of you probably have been through a similar thing uh, I'm sure a lot of you have but you those of you who have know how easy it is or how much difference it makes when folks just take you know, that minute or five minutes or two minutes, whatever it is, to send a warm wish. Uh, it, it, it meant so much to us that I just, I, like I said, wish I had words to describe it. Just know that it's meant a lot and we really appreciate you all. So here's Marcus. We're going to give it our best shot to keep you entertained for an hour or so. Thanks for being here. Hey folks, Randy Newberg here with another episode of Loopold's Hunt Talk Radio. Man, Marcus, it's been a long time since I said that. <laughs> I bet you it's been five or six weeks since I've done a podcast. It's been a bit. Yeah, I owe, I owe an apology to you, to everybody who works <laughs> here, to the audience, oh, to no. everyone. Oh no, it's, uh It's been one of the craziest seasons that we've had, I think, in a long time. 
Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Like, I think they call that life, right? I think so. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to, hard to predict everything that's going to happen. And be prepared yeah. and, you know, it's got to roll with it, I guess. Yeah. Well, since last time, uh, Marcus and Dale were on the podcast where we did kind of a, a mid mid season hunt update. Uh, I'm in town today before I fly back to Minnesota again tomorrow morning. And so Marcus had a big pile of work to do. And I said, Hey, Marcus, <laughs> can I take you away from that pile of work and, uh, force you to do a year end wrap on a podcast? Yeah, no, happy to be here. Yeah, well, thanks. I, I appreciate how much all you guys have chipped in while I've been traveling and while I've had to take care of duties. So, well, greatly appreciated. Yeah, I mean, it ought, a lot of it has also been fun for us, which is, <laughs> I mean, so got yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so last time we left off, I think we wrapped it up probably with my moose hunt. Right after the moose hunt? Yeah, if yeah. I remember right. And then right after that podcast, I was headed to New Mexico for five days to help our, our sweepstakes winner, Sean, who he drew, he won the sweepstakes in December of 2019. Okay. He's from Southern California, just super great guy. Uh, and then we applied him, like we do with all of our sweepstakes winner, we applied him everywhere in 2020 everywhere in 2021 and he didn't win and we always tell people when this happens you know uh, new mexico for whatever reason the controversy or whatever it is they have unit-wide landowner vouchers so i i just told john hey you know we got to get you on a hunt we got to get you somewhere yeah and uh so that's how that hunt happened a unit-wide landowner voucher and so everyone can send the hate mail to <laughs> contact at <laughs> contact at maybe we should give them a, <laughs> a made up address. But, uh, so Sean, super great guy, brings his 11 year old son Kerig with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, you've been to this area before. It's where Uncle Mike had the right. And there were a lot of learning lessons on that hunt to me. Because you know how we always talk about elk in the post-rep period using the same sanctuaries year after year after year? Yep. Or maybe not the same elk, but elk in general, bulls right. in general. Sean, on day four, in a 40-mile-an-hour wind, ends up shooting his bull that died within 20 yards of where we gut and gilled Uncle Mike's bull. That's pretty crazy. That's yeah. And two days before that, We'd seen a, a big, heavy five-point in that same little grove of trees. They like that spot. Well, I'm trying to figure out. I mean, it's like such a precise spot. You think of all the other canyons right? they could go to there? I was wondering, was it, it wasn't that windy when Mike shot mm -hmm. his, was it? No. no. Okay. But I mean, it definitely seems, I'm, I've seen stuff, you know, pick spots at, right on the leeward side, and they have their favorite little beds when it's windy. I think but, that's what it is, because if the wind comes over that crown, you know, a lot of people think that the wind just skips right over a big ridge. Well, mm -hmm. when it, say the ridge runs east and west, and the wind's coming from the south, on that north side where they like to bed, when that wind comes over, it almost creates an eddy. It kind of gets sucked back in there. And I think it has something to do with what you're saying, where 
the wind direction just gives them way more detection. Yeah. And uh, so Mike shot that bull in there uh, quite a few years ago. I saw bulls in there. I saw three bulls in there uh, one time. The first time I ever saw bulls in there, there were three of them. And then Mike shot his, then Sean shoots his. And for me, it just reiterates the fact that for whatever reason that we as humans can't detect, there are certain little pockets oh, yeah. that elk go to. Yep. And I always tell people, once you find those, don't share them with your buddies. Yeah, because that's the thing that'll end those pockets <laughs> is when everybody knows about them, then they're no longer... That, a pocket. That pocket, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a sanctuary anymore. It has so, to meet all the criteria. <laughs> yeah. And uh, So that was fun. <laughs> uh, it just, I don't know, with the sweepstakes winners, we've been so lucky. You know, we had Sean the year before. We had Ty. Uh, years before that, we've had Justin. We had Tom. I mean, every sweepstakes winner we've ever had has just been such a nice person. Yeah. And the guy that won in December of 2020, we applied him in 2021, and he didn't draw. His name is Sean also. So, <laughs> Gets confusing a little. <laughs> yeah, next week, you know, we have the sweepstakes that wraps up uh, Monday, so probably before this podcast airs. We're the 2021 sweepstakes that we're having with uh, RMEF. We do this every year. Uh, they raise a ton of money uh, in the process. We're happy to do it. Uh, helps conservation and mm-hmm. uh, so that winner was Sean so maybe we're going to have Sean number three maybe three <laughs> years in a row I, I don't I don't want to discourage anyone whose name isn't Sean it's not like Sean is this common name like Mike or yeah, Joe or something huh. but so that's what I was doing in late October Marcus yeah. I don't know. What what were you up to in late, late October. October? Well, so I have to think back on kind of the order everything went down, but opening day of Montana's general season. Oh, that's season. right. Yeah, I was gone when our opener happened. Yeah, so I think that was kind of the next main thing mm-hmm. for me. And we went out um, looking. I had a deer tag still, and um, my buddy Rocky had an elk tag. Yeah. So we went out looking for elk and yeah. deer, whatever we could find, and... Yeah. Took the llamas in and it had a blast. Kara joined us for a little bit of it. And, yeah. Uh, we ended up covering a lot of ground Did you? and not seeing any elk for a while, but oh. we stuck with it. And I think it was the fourth, I think the fourth day Yeah, was when we finally Were you guys pulling elk. camp every day? Yeah. So we never oh, camped really? in the same spot twice. That's a lot of work. Yeah. It was fun. But uh, the, I'm trying to think of... Yeah, op- it was opening day. So we moved, we packed into the spot the day before season. Mm-hmm. We didn't see anything in there. The opening morning, nothing. Also no people, which was nice. Really? <laughs> opening morning, nobody in it's, the spot you were at? Yeah, it's probably because there were no animals there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, they correlation. Had, yeah, <laughs> it made sense. Um, <laughs> so we completely packed out, pulled camp, packed out, moved trailheads. At the second trailhead we went to, still opening day though now, it was like Whoa. opening afternoon. Yeah. There was 23 rigs parked there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that was like very different. And then we're like, well, you know, there must be elk here. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like when you're and fishing like, and you see all the boats on one point. Oh, there must be fish there. <laughs> but uh, we talked to 
a lot of the people and nobody had seen an elk. Really? They didn't hear, we, I think we talked to like three different groups of people and like, we didn't hear any shots this morning. We uh-huh. didn't see an elk, nothing, but we kind of had like, it was muddy getting in there with the trailer and we're oh, just like, yeah. we didn't want to, mm-hmm. we're just like, well, we're, we're going here. This is where we're at. This is where. <laughs> and so we went in and just kept walking further in and eventually around seven miles in and that's where we found them. Really? Wow. Was it warm? It, yeah. I mean, it was warmer than most yeah. opening okay. days, I would say. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like super hot, but yeah, it was, yeah. there wasn't I, snow on, I mean, there was pockets of some yeah. snow from the previous week, but not but much. Nothing like the year before when it was new. 15 below wind chills. Yeah. And, no, that, on that one, uh, two years ago, care shot an elk opening morning and when we packed it out in the afternoon the quarters were frozen solid <laughs> that's, that's a big <laughs> mass of meat to freeze solid in that period of time yeah. but uh, no it was sweet dude. yeah because uh, rocky he got a nice little five point in mm-hmm. there on the this do, year and so do you think had the, the llamas though like yeah that's Bo Beatty's llamas oh my gosh yeah that's I've, that just makes all the difference in the world that's to the have point those. I, I was gonna get to do you think people realize how far in elk will go in response to hunting pressure when it's warm yeah i mean they will go and get all ticked in in some nasty hole a long ways away mm-hmm. and i just think without llamas or people Maybe someone who's in ultra great shape could go in there, but that just kind of puts the elk off limits. And you get the stories of, oh, they all migrated to Wyoming or, yeah, you know, the grizzly bears ate them all or whatever. No, I, just, we definitely uh, benefited. Great. I don't think we would have been successful without the llamas in this instance. It, yeah. Definitely. Because we had Bo's tent, the hot tents. We had a wood stove mm-hmm. in there, and it rained on us, kind of rained snow, mostly rain, and oh. so we were wet, and to be able to dry off, like, that, that it nice? just made all the difference <laughs> in the world, especially when you're that far in, and it's just like, yeah. but yeah. yeah. It, it sucks when you're way back in there, and your stuff gets wet, and you're sleeping in a cold camp. And yeah. It's like, oh, man, tomorrow I got to put these wet, cold clothes on again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bo's going to have those tents ready here. It's kind of a prototype he's working with. Yeah, I with think. The company, right? Yep. Yeah. So okay. I th- What's from the what I heard? Name? Snow Trekker. Snow Trekker. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like the Bo Beatty version. Yeah. 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 And he uh, had his own. And... I'm a huge fan. It's <laughs> yeah. like the perfect setup for llamas. Mm-hmm. And actually, car camping, it's pretty yep. dang handy too. I mean, we used it um, in Arizona. A couple weeks ago, yeah, too. and when we did the goat hunt mm-hmm. up at you know, we were camped at 7,200 feet, a lot of snow, a lot of cold. Two guys in one of those small little canvas tents with that little stove. Oh man, mm-hmm. no time at all, man. You're snoring, yeah, and wake up in the morning, your boots are dry, your oh, clothes are man. dry, yeah, throw a couple logs on there to get it warmed up in the morning, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what they weigh, but anyhow, when Bo has them ready for market, we'll have him on here to talk about because there's little things that he's, well, how many nights does he spend in a tent in a year? Right, and how many tents does he go through, you know, with all the summer packing trips and stuff that they do? It's insane. Yeah, so if you're going to have a guy build the prototype tent for you, Bo Beatty would be high on my list. 
Yeah. So well, we, that's we cool. got to put the, we actually put it through some wind too. We went to uh, out on the prairie and mm-hmm. uh, for Montana deer. Yeah. And it got super windy and like uh, forty mile an hour wind or more. Uh, gusts into the sixties, and then uh, so we had like the classic wall tent, your your yeah. old wall tent. Yeah. And that the stakes pulled. It almost like I was <laughs> a little worried because the stakes. A bunch of the stakes pulled, and like all all the grommets pulled, right? And then uh, some of the um, tie down stakes pulled too. Really? And uh, Bo's tent was set up next to it, and the only thing, both stove pipes blew out, yeah. and they were a ways away. Yeah. But other than that, the tent was perfectly fine. Didn't yeah. move at all. Nothing yeah. pulled. And so I was like, "All right, that's pretty impressive. Cool. Just the way it was pitched, and yeah, and the fact that it the the ones that Bo has don't have." real square walls he's got those pullouts that kind of create a little bit of a v-shape to every wall and so the wind has a hard time making a direct hit and the way he's got that whatever you want to call it dirt cloth or whatever Mm -hmm. the wind has a harder time getting underneath that like it does a great big wall tent and when it gets under that in those great big wall tents, it's like a great big kite. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I was a little worried. Uh, Well, that's cool because... I, is that was that Kara's first llama trip? Yes. So she had never actually got experience. I mean, she had. I think she'd seen them a couple times, but yeah. she never actually got to go pack with them. Yeah. And so that was her first time with them, and was like totally sold. So yeah. Like, she sent me just, a text message with yeah. a picture saying these llamas are it or something yeah. to that effect. They are. Yeah. So that was cool to see because she's a little skeptical of animals. I think uh-huh. in a lot of the time, and uh, they're just so. They're just so well behaved. They just follow you around. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, that's cool. And then uh, Dale picked up a Nevada deer tag. Yeah, and he headed down to Nevada right after that. Yep. And yeah, he was there while we were hunting in Montana for deer. Yeah. yeah. And simultaneously, Bo was down in Colorado shooting deer on a second season deer tag down there yeah we, we, we ended up filling in the calendar last minute like pretty full actually yeah we, we were filming concurrently in three different spots <laughs> right then yeah yeah it was kind of a bummer sitting in duluth minnesota well hey but it, checking my phone every three minutes oh i wonder if they got anything <laughs> trying not to be a pest like hey guys how's it going <laughs> and then seeing a lot of photos of success. I'm like, yeah. oh man, I'm so blessed and so lucky to have great people to to fill in when I'm gone. So it worked out really, yeah. really good. We did give up a few hunts this year though because of it. Yeah, uh, Matthew and I turned back our deer tags in Colorado. Uh, he turned back his elk tag in Nevada, which was really, really painful for yeah. me. I didn't want him to do that. But like he said, Dad, come on, man. You know that for me, hunting is really a social thing. So <laughs> if you aren't going to be there, I'll get my points back and I'll go some other time. So I I appreciate that, Matthew, but there's no way I'm turning an elk tag back in just because some other dude can't make it with me. Uh, yeah, he'll, he'll draw it again. I hope so. Uh, I knew another guy who had the tag. Oh, really? And so he was sharing what he knew of the unit with me and I was sharing what I knew from him and what my friends in Nevada were telling me. And then before the hunt, I I texted him. I'm like, oh man, you know, 
we're turning this tag back in. Here's what happened. I got to go to Minnesota. And he's like, oh, bummer. Well, he texts me after the hunt. He yeah. hunted every day of the hunt. Oh, wow. And he shot a nice six point, but the bulls he was seeing, and he, he'd seen some really nice ones mm -hmm. when he was there in September when okay. the archery season's going on. Well, this rifle season starts November like 6th or something. And... uh He's like, I have no idea where they went to. Hmm. We scoured this unit. Be glad Matthew turned his tag in. I'm like, huh. oh, well, <laughs> I guess the, there's a silver lining to every cloud, I guess they so. say. So, but, so we did that. Um, I'm trying to think. Then you and Jonathan went to out to central or eastern Montana, somewhere yeah. out in the hinterlands. Yeah, that was, that was a fun hunt. We were with... Uh, couple buddies too mm -hmm. and uh we i did not fill my tag rocky mm -hmm. filled his tag connor filled a tag um jay spear jonathan John. filled a tag yeah and then myself Ooh. and logan did not so okay. two of yeah it's three of the five that were out there yeah this is wow. pretty good it was it wasn't as uh i think the deer numbers were down a little bit mm -hmm. i know ehd took a toll on the <laughs> on the whitetails big time and yeah um, the mule deer seemed to be down too. We didn't see yeah. the quality that a lot of times we see, but, um, no, it was a blast. Um, yeah. that was cool to watch Jonathan get a buck and, um, yeah, we got to see some cool country. Yeah. Well, with EHD and then the drought that happened out there this year and we have no snow right now. No. I'm like, oh man, what are deer numbers going to be like in Montana? in 2022 because all reports everyone i talked to was like 2021 was the worst season that they've experienced i mean some people filled tags but yeah as far as deer numbers it was pretty bleak from what everyone told me yeah i i heard that from quite a few people yeah so. but yeah this is the well, third year marcus i haven't filled my montana deer tag and when we got done with the goat hunt I had five days to go do it, but I just, I don't know. I, when I was hearing all these reports about how bleak it was, I'm like, you know, they're this close to getting through this season. <laughs> I, I, don't, I got a moose. I got this mountain goat. I shot a pronghorn. I don't really need to go out and shoot one just because I have the tag in my pocket, so... I can't say I have the same restraint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Uh, but for you, it's a family thing. Yeah, you, that was fun. Your family hunts that Thanksgiving week. Yeah, oh. yeah. And our family has some property. So we yeah. went out there and my dad and I were able to mm -hmm. double up on last-minute bucks. So that was fun. That yeah. was a good time. To, I mean, that's... That was pretty cool. Um, and then the meat is currently... Uh, I'm making a bunch of jerky right now. That's what I smell over there yeah, in that's our what, kitchen that's studio? What, yeah, so I'm making a bunch of jerky with that deer currently, okay. and then going to do some sausage, and already had the tenderloins, and oh, man, oh, things cool. are tasty. It's yeah. hard to, like, that's the thing. It's like, oh, I don't have any other deer meat this year. Why do you think I don't know. Gotta, mule deer get the same bad rap that pronghorn get? Uh, I think it's the name mule. Really? <laughs> I okay. think it's a mental thing. Yeah. I think it's mostly a mental thing. And then people who smelled running mule deer. And then yeah. if 
it will taste bad if you get if you rub your knife all over that gland and right. then rub it all over the meat. Yeah, that's not a good but idea. When we did the blind taste test, we mm-hmm. did a blind taste test. Nobody thought that their favorite meat was mule deer, but mule deer was the favorite on average <laughs> the favorite meat. Both in form of burger and in steaks. Yeah. When they didn't know what they were eating, mule deer beat out elk, antelope, moose, white tail. White tail. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a YouTube video you guys did. Yeah, we like, did that a while ago. Yeah, I feel like we should ago. we should probably do another blind taste test, do different some different versions of it. Yeah, because uh, I I think it's a it's a mental thing for mm-hmm. most people, and I, I think a lot of people can't actually tell the difference. And I think yeah. that personally, I think there's more of a difference between individual animals than there is almost between species. Yeah, like a mule deer uh, that's been right. living in yep. certain spots versus you know another one. And also the age thing, and people are like, oh yeah, this is a super old, tough. Like, um, I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that being said, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I haven't shot like a ten-year-old deer, but I've shot some seven, eight-year-old mm-hmm. mule deer that <laughs> I think are phenomenal. Yeah. Like the flavor, the texture, the it's not tough. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I've I've shot some that are you know five, six, seven years old, and I. Quite honestly, I couldn't really tell the difference between that and a younger one I'd had. Yeah. So, and some people are instantly going to email us and say, "You bunch of knotheads, you you guys don't know anything." But I just often wonder that why mule deer get the rap they do, and I think it's I think you hit on the the things that go through my mind of why that would be. You kind of hit on them, and just yeah, I don't know. Mind. I mean, it, just. But it's it's very I mean common. That's like people <laughs> just uh, like over Thanksgiving. I talked to someone was that we were out on like a block management area, and I had just seen some nice smaller mule deer bucks and told him about them. And he's like, "Ah, oh, um, no, I'm looking for a whitetail." Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't cool. want a mule deer. Yeah. Well, that's fine. They'll live to be another year older. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I hope that we don't get a brutal winter because. Our deer right now, from all reports, you know, with this drought, they have no fat on them. So if we got a brutal winter, it's, yeah. it's just going to wipe out our deer. Yeah, and, it'll be interesting to... Yeah. And then when you get the drought years and it's really hot, it seems like you get EHD in such a bad way. That right. That comes and takes years for recovery from that. So there's just a lot of factors too right now, and then because then we have all the CWD stuff starting mm-hmm. to come up, and so it's just a yeah. There's a got, lot out there. Yeah. Right? On this CWD, you know, I'm I'm back in Minnesota, uh, and it's opening of rifle season when I'm back there, opening weekend, and. The, the news channels have big things about deer hunting. I mean, it's part of the culture. You don't right. you don't have to hide that you hunt back in northern Minnesota. Well, the Duluth Station has a report that they'd sold 168,000 deer tags the year before, but this year they'd only sold 163,000. And some of the people in, like, the newspaper articles and stuff I was reading were saying that, there's some weird report came out of Iowa that the whitetails had uh, COVID. Uh, oh, yeah. And then also the continuing effects of CWD. There were some statements made or implied that 
the, the reason for some of these drops in numbers is people are worried about disease in wild animals. Just in general, not yeah. not necessarily COVID. Right. But you like, start yeah. stacking one thing on top of another gotcha. on top of another. Yeah. I don't know if that's the case or not. I mean, I'm... I think people are definitely... Yeah, I mean, it's a thing. Yeah. I know my mom's really paranoid about eating a deer with CWD. CWD, really? Well, it sounds... I mean, chronic wasting disease. Yeah, it doesn't it's, sound... It's a I mean, spooky name. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> I just figure if I'm the first person to get it, then that's, right. that's fine. <laughs> well, I think of the places I've hunted in Wyoming and Colorado where I've shot elk and uh, mule deer. And this was before some of those units did have mandatory testing. I, I probably should have went and got them tested, but I didn't know how to extract the the what are they lymph nodes the lymph nodes yeah or whatever right underneath i the, still kind of get confused i'm yeah. pretty sure i got it right in this yeah. last go, i got them out of my my moose yeah that i shot so i go home and then we we do that podcast and then i gotta fly back to minnesota and i left them in my pack in a plastic bag oh no and then you read the pamphlet and it says if you do extract the lymph nodes please keep them frozen and or fresh or, or whatever right. and i looked in there i'm like after all that, dang it. Yeah. But I didn't know. Uh, but I've never extracted them from a deer or an elk. So I wonder, have I eaten a deer or an elk that has CWD? Yeah. And like, to anybody's knowledge, there hasn't been no. a transmission yet, but it's like theoretically possible. Yeah. And so that's like the scary yeah. thing. But. I can see the email coming now. Newberg, this explains why you're such a weird person, man. <laughs> you're eating deer and elk with CWD, but yeah. I, I wonder if that has any impact on, you know, some of these places that are seeing drops in hunter numbers. I, yeah, I, I mean, I imagine it could. I'm, I'm sure it plays a role. Yeah. For me, I, I think it's more interesting, like, just what it, the the impacts it's going to have on the actual deer herd, the herd itself, not yeah. necessarily the hunter participation, but, uh, yeah. cause now there's all this research. Have you seen like all the stuff coming out basically saying that you should manage for less old, like yeah. kill all the older bucks. I mean, that's yeah. like the best management practice. And so that's going to be like a hot button issue. Hunters mm -hmm. are a lot of hunters. I imagine are not going to be very happy about that. No, I got it. That's kind of how we already manage in Montana. <laughs> yeah. So we can hunt them. We can hunt deer in the rut with a rifle. So, but, um, I would say if putting extreme pressure on the male segment of a deer population, it would help CWD. Montana shouldn't have CWD then because right. we hunt the hell out of them but that's i mean that's being cited i mean that's like even like mm -hmm. with the proposed changes like that's going to be a thing well, moving forward is did you see what idaho did this week i don't know oh, I didn't. they they had their first positive confirmation in gotcha. north central idaho i got an email yesterday from some group saying idaho's issuing 1257 buck tags for this unit gotcha now like, like their seasons have been closed for quite a while oh they're issuing them for this year right now gotcha but i think the rule is if you do and you harvest you have to it's mandatory you bring it in because they're trying to get right a, yeah a sample of what the prevalence is yeah so, so. hmm well poor deer i got all kinds of things piling on to them yeah last year i could have shot a really nice white tail buck and a pretty decent mule deer buck when i was on my uh elk hunt 
but I was trying to shoot this really nice bull, so I'm letting these deer walk by. Oh, that's right. I'm like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> and the year before that, I'd already shot an elk in Montana. So I'm out filming myself, watching these whitetail bucks do their goofy thing. And I'm like, oh. I, I went out, I think, the last three or four days of season. And I didn't shoot one then. So it's not due to lack of opportunity. In fact, on my goat hunt, we saw some bucks and we saw a bull elk that I could have shot. You talk about mixed emotions. <laughs> you have a goat tag in your pocket and there's a legal bull up on the mountain, up above the cliffs where the goats are. What do you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, goat tag, well, I guess for most people, it's a once in a lifetime. Maybe for some <laughs> people like yourself, it's a twice or maybe three times, four no, times. Who knows how many a, more goat tags you're going to no, draw? It's a, trust me, after that one, it was a twice, it's going to be twice in a lifetime. So. But still, it's uh yeah. yeah. They're 26 years apart and the next one will be about 2,600 years apart. So. <laughs> but didn't our buddy Jim Bagedale come down and yeah. hunt with you for a couple yeah. days? Yeah. Yeah, right after a still opening week in Montana, mm -hmm. he came down and uh, had an elk tag. Well, he had a combo, so he had both deer and elk tag. Yeah. But we went out and uh, hunted for a whopping maybe hour and a half, and we found him <laughs> a nice cow elk. <laughs> Uh, you're talking to a meat harvester <laughs> when you're talking to Jim Bagedale. So I know how that must have turned out. No, it was pretty fun, though. We we went out and we started, we parked and we started walking. And um, I don't, I think we had made it up the hill a little ways and kind of stopped to take a break and looked back down the hill. And there's a herd of elk back closer to the pickup. <laughs> it's like, well, uh, if they're there, they're there. <laughs> so yeah. Went right back down and it was pretty, pretty good. And we got, yeah. I think he shot it. It was like around a hundred yards. Like I think it made a nice oh, stock belly crawl up and, um, made a great shot, but he did, you know, we're going to throw Jim under the bus a little bit. He did not use his Hawken. Whoa. He used he used a howa. Wow, he used, my, he used my rifle on it. So I owe but Jim it, in a big way because <laughs> I I noticed the comments on the YouTube channel. A lot of people are like, "Where's his hawking? What's he doing shooting a rifle?" I, I think Jim has set an expectation with everybody because when they see him on our show. He's shooting Boone and Crockett antelope <laughs> and record books, Sitka deer, blacktails, and then he comes to Montana and he grabs a high. Oh, yeah. He was unapologetic about it. He said, this yeah. trip is about filling the freezer. Yeah. We are, I am here <laughs> to get meat. And I'm like, All right, let's do it. So it worked out great. Well, the good yeah. news is you were in one of those many units in Montana now where we can use our... We call it a eight and a general a, a tag, tag yeah. general tag for either sex, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know how long it took Jim to make a decision on that. That'll <laughs> do. Yep. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I felt bad that I couldn't be there, but he sent me a text message that day. He's like, "What do you think of this?" I'm like, "I think that's really cool." And then he said, "And I used a howa." I'm like, "All right, Jim. Cool." So yeah. He's but, able to get a nice little white-tailed buck as well, too, on that trip. Oh, we that's right. We didn't yeah. film that, but yeah. Uh, the, yeah. so, yeah, it was cool. It was a good, well, good week with Jim or a couple of days. But, yeah, yeah, he's such a great guy. You know, oh, yeah. I, the, there's the, the book out there called Six Degrees of Separation, and the premise of it is that 
there's only about six degrees or through six different relationships, you know, just about everybody on the planet. Yeah. I don't know if it means everybody on the planet, but I start thinking about how I got to meet people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met Jim 17, 18 years ago through a mutual friend, Ken Barrett here in Bozeman. Uh, he used to work for a bunch of the conservation and hunting groups and ken knew i was just crazy about wanting to go sit blacktail hunting he's like i got this friend up and on prince of wales you just gotta meet him he's a yeah. character of the highest degree <laughs> and uh i never met him never met him while well, i'm at this event this uh i'm trying to remember which one it was but as ken described him to me i'm looking at this guy sitting over at this table by himself i'm like that's got to be that Jim Bagetail guy that Ken's telling me about. <laughs> so I walk over there and introduce myself. And he's like, you're the Randy guy, Ken. So we hit it off and spent the better part of two or three days just telling hunting stories. Nice. Uh, and so that was probably, I don't know, 2004, 5, 6, somewhere in there. Uh, and then... Uh, Jim Bagetel is telling me for years, you got to meet my buddy, Jim Heffelfinger. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Heffelfinger, what the heck kind of name is that? Come on, man. <laughs> uh, so uh, he keeps telling me and keeps telling me, well, finally I get to doing some research on the Mexican wolf reintroduction and or the, the program down there. Right. Unknown to me, Heffelfinger's running that program along with the mule deer and blacktail deer program. Mm-hmm. So he's running these two big national programs. And so I end up calling him, and I'd forgot about Bagetail mm-hmm. telling me of this guy. But the names seem familiar when I call him, and I tell him my name. He's like, are you Jim Bagetail's friend? I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're the, you're the other Jim. So yeah. that was... Oh, I don't know, over 10 years ago. So it's just fun to to think about how hunting and and the things we do connects us to some really cool people. For sure, yeah. And uh, I just wish I would have been able to be up there last year when you got to film those two characters. Oh, yeah, that was a blast. Exploring Prince of Wales Island looking Mm -hmm. for rutting blacktails. That would have been such a fun conversation to just listen to. Oh, yeah. They just so. both are just so knowledgeable and curious too about the landscape and Heffelfinger being there for the first time and, you know, just seeing that the habitat that deer live in and compared to southern Arizona, it's pretty yeah. stark contrast. It's pretty Yeah. You get the guy from Tucson, Arizona that goes up to right. Prince of Wales Island. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so it's cool to mm-hmm. kind of see him see it for the first time through his eyes because, you know, he's just constantly assessing like what are these deer living in how are they making a living and yeah. i don't know it's it was fun to be up there with them and yeah just kind of absorb some information <laughs> yeah did the sun ever come out while you were up there on that trip i'm trying to remember i don't it was pretty rainy for sure All which is to be expected looked, but yeah. yeah the footage looked like cruddy not, yeah. not cruddy footage, but cruddy weather. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. There's probably a lot of water on the lens. <laughs> <of the time>, <laughs> no, it was, yeah. It was, it's, well, uh, speaking of Alaska, we better remind the world this podcast will drop before December 15th that if you're interested in any of the Alaska limited entry hunts, December 15th, yeah. five o'clock Alaska standard time is your deadline. Uh, but the Sitka Blacktails, you don't even have to 
be in the limited entry draw for that. Just buy yeah. your hunting license and your tag and off you go. Yep. So you ever going to go do it for yourself? I'd like to. Talking about, depending on how everything shakes out, potentially going up there next year. Yeah. My dad really wants to do it. Oh, so yeah. if we can make, got to figure out how to make it happen mm-hmm. at some point. But yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be, that would but, be great. I, I've, you know, done the Alpine hunt twice and I just want to go do it in November there. They just look so much different in November than they do in in the Alpine of August. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Just yeah. like all, you know, stout, just yeah. thick neck. Like, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're cool and they're, looking. And their coats are just so striking and yeah. so beautiful. They're they're the closest thing to an antelope in terms of beauty mm-hmm. of of any of the deer that I, at least I admire. So. Yeah, but. Well, I'm glad Mr. Bagetail was able to come on down. We need to get him on more hunts. Well, he's retiring. I know. He's been telling me about all these points he has saved up in other states, so he's getting pretty excited about yeah. it. So we're going to have well, to... Maybe we need to just make he, him part of the fresh gonna, tracks team. He's going to want to pick your brain pretty hard about what he needs to do with all those points. I know that. Really? Well, but, I got all kinds of places he should be going. Yeah. I'll be there as a pack mule or whatever. Well, I'll bring some llamas as a, there as we a pack go. llama. Yeah. yeah. I, I bet you we could get Jim convinced that llamas are a pretty good deal if we took him on an elk hunt with some llamas. That's what we almost, we thought about it for uh, when he was in Montana this last season, but his elk ended up only being about, probably not even quite a half mile from the road. So <laughs> I think the llamas would have been a little overkill. <laughs> like, Call Bo. Hey, Bo, we need some llamas. Can you get up to Montana? <laughs> oh, yeah. Knowing Bo, he'd be like, I'm, I'll be right there. Well, he did. Well, we did. Bo, Bo did. He caught wind that Bates told us coming. He's like, just let him know that those llamas are... You know, he can use uh-huh. them. We can, we could come grab some and use them. And we, but we had just brought back the ones that we had used like three days before with, with yeah. Rocky. Yeah. And so, but yeah, it was this, uh, it was a whirlwind. I was just, yeah, and a lot of logistics and going back and forth. And, but yeah, it all and while out. all this is going on, we hire Tyler as a contract shooter to go film Bo and Kirsten because she's got a late Idaho elk tag and right she shoots a six by six yeah it's like man i need to get I, here's what's going through my mind marcus i need to just get the hell out of the way <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh no we've this always is... said maybe this operation needs a lot less of Randy, <laughs> and maybe this is the season that we validate that theory or that hypothesis oh no i don't think but, i don't think the audience would be very happy uh, <laughs> i think there's some that would be like about time they get rid of that <laughs> long tooth gray haired bs and storyteller but i do miss the fact that we didn't get to hunt with uncle mike or uncle larry this year but maybe next year yeah well is uh what's the you're kind of trying to get a pronghorn hunt going with who mm-hmm. who all was going to be on that it was going to be mike and larry me and matthew and my brother jason that'd be cool and so do you think that might be able to happen i guess depending on what the point who knows yeah. what's going to happen with applications but. yeah with wyoming being in a drought like montana i don't think they're going to have that great a fawn survival of these gotcha. uh, pronghorn and if they get hit with a tough winter, oh man, it's, I mean, I look at what pronghorn numbers were in Wyoming when I first started applying there in the 90s mm-hmm. and what they are now. It's so disappointing. I mean, 
not like anybody did anything about it, but just habitat, weather, drought. Man, there were... It was so easy to get a pronghorn tag in Wyoming. And if you got a buck tag, you could just go buy all the doe tags you needed down gotcha. at the store. Just, they, they were struggling to give away all the doe tags. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to sound like, you know, grandpa and oh, the good old days. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> those were the good old days of Wyoming pronghorn. But, you know, they're so resilient. Maybe they'll catch a break and they'll get, you know, 10 or 20 years of nice moist summers and easier winters and they can get back up over you know a half million pronghorn yeah and uh it that, that's probably what's going to determine whether or not we ever get to do that hunt gotcha um, larry's got a bucket full i think he's two points behind max for deer uh so he and mike were on the phone asking me well why don't we just go deer hunting <laughs> I'm like, well, we, you guys could do that, you know. I'll come and be the camp cook, and we'll let you guys tell all the stories and all the cussing and, you know, BSing you want. So, that I don't be, know. That could be pretty cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, maybe that's what they'll end up do, doing, yeah. burning Larry's uh, deer points. He's uh, He's got a lot. So, it's uh, it's just fun to, to share camps with people that mean a lot to you i mean like you and your dad and your mm-hmm. brother and i think everybody listening has those special times where you share camps with people that oh yeah add so much flavor to the hunt regardless of the outcome yeah it no is. that's what i go back and forth because a lot i've talked about this like in the last two years i feel like i've thought about it more just like the camp mm-hmm. situation because mm-hmm. i was starting to almost get jaded on doing group camps because i was like you know it's just like you you set up a big wall tent and then you're kind of locked in on that spot you're not as mobile and you're just mm-hmm. uh you know if you're hanging out with everyone staying up late you're not as rested but then it's just like kind of had a shift of like you know it's pretty fun just to like <laughs> have a good time and hang out with people and like you know i don't need to shoot the biggest deer right. it's just like i'm here to have a good time yeah. and so i think there's like a balance of like some hunts okay we're mm-hmm. gonna go you know hike way in and backpack in and get after it but then having those like wall tent camps where you get to just hang out and bs and it's like there that's a whole nother um yeah level of fun it's just yeah. it's just different but and grown to appreciate both versions a lot. I know you're about 25 years younger than I am, Marcus, but I will say that as you get older, the kind of the sweetness or the value of those type of experiences is probably just every year there's going to be yeah. a little bit more and a little bit more, yeah. and then you'll get your dad's age or my age, and you'll be like, oh, man, this is so much fun. Right. I don't care if I shoot anything. Yeah. But no, they can you still go out and give it an effort, but... It's not nearly, it, it's hard to explain. It, I'm not saying that my whole life was driven around, did I fill a tag? Mm-hmm. But there's certainly more of a an appreciation of it. it. I would equate it to when you're really hungry and starving, you wolf that burger down. <laughs> and, you know, my old school teacher, Paul Reese, used to say, why don't you stop and taste a bite? Uh, <laughs> versus, you know, you sit down and, you know, there's this great meal of whatever. 
and you do eat it slower and you're like oh that's an interesting flavor so mm-hmm. that's for sure that's kind of uh, an analysis or an analogy i would give to it but probably the last two months of the year you and i were in the field at the same time yeah i was a little bummed that uh we were talking about you all the time i missed out on the on the goat hunt yeah but, but you were down in arizona yeah having fun you and kara yep kara and i went down in uh late archery arizona elk hunt spot and stock spot and stock and it was tough <laughs> it was like one of the toughest hunts i've ever done for sure really so i think doll sheep's the only thing that that was harder Wow! just like the combination of i was like this physically mentally just tough i mean this the rocks are super uneven so i'm constantly like rolling my ankle and then you got Mm -hmm. cactus and cat claw and the cover that the bulls are bedding in was super thick and to try to get close to them yeah um we had like in the scheme of things we had a blast like the landscape was beautiful which was Mm -hmm. awesome and Kara really liked that part and just to be in a desert landscape chasing elk was new to her well both of us really i had been down there but not chasing elk like that um but it was just a challenge it was just crazy tough but um it's funny i was during the hunt i was just like i'm I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm ever gonna do this again. <laughs> just like, this is a good. Ex- it's a good experience. I don't need to do it again. But I'm already like. Are you thinking like I should? I should probably give that another shot. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert! Didn't kill one. Uh, but uh, huh. I had, I got within archery range of four different bulls over the course of the hunt. And really, is this is this super hard to get a shot? Because, is it so uh, thick? How thick it is? Yeah. And the shot angles. And yeah. Is this yeah. steep? And but I'd get within range, and then either waiting for them to stand up, they'd you know eventually smell you, and mm-hmm. then it was it was interesting. I, was, I wasn't sure when the I was trying to assess like when the thermals were the most steady uphill there, because mm-hmm. I mean that's kind of your only option. You right. like you come in above, and um, the bulls were usually bedding like ten o'clock, and then you'd come in from above. Um, but by the time we could circle around those canyons, it was like two to three o'clock a lot of the time. Wow. And I was thinking like one thirty to two is probably going to be pretty good, but mm-hmm. a lot of the times we couldn't get there in time. Right. Really? It's just like, it took so long to circle around the canyons, but even, um, we did a few times get set up, but then you're just waiting for them to stand up. Like I could, one time I could just see the antlers, mm-hmm. you know, it was like 37 yards waiting for them to stand up, waiting for them to stand up and then just still there, still there. And then finally feel the wind on my neck oh. and it's like, okay, it's going to happen quick. <laughs> and then trying to get him to, so I tried to get him to stand up, wouldn't stand up. <laughs> it was, a. Uh, Huh. But anyway, yeah, never never released an arrow. But. Well, with the long loop you had to make, it sounds like if you would have shot one, extraction could have been a serious pain. Yeah, it, it definitely would not have been easy in any yeah. of the places we were at. Luckily, it gets super cold at night down yeah. there, so I think we would have been yeah okay. But it definitely was heating up in the day. But um, yeah, um, although Wade and then some other... Some other people did offer to help if I knocked one down. So, okay. oh, that 
not lying that that was uh, you know that was in the <laughs> back of my mind the like, but uh, uh, you know that's yeah. the other thing you know you mentioned Wade going back to the six degrees of separation <laughs> I met Wade in 1984 Jerry Pritchard and I you know yep. grade school buddies well when Jerry's in high school he moves to Williams Arizona where Wade is from. So he and Wade become high school buddies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I go out to Arizona in my summers and hang out and meet Jerry and we'd hook up and, you know, goof off and fish for a few, four or five days and I'd stay in Williams. And then when I went to college out there, uh, Jerry and I worked together at my Uncle Larry's mm-hmm. uh, business. So that's how I met Wade. Crazy. 30 whatever yeah. years ago and when you're in college and you're misbehaving like that <laughs> you have no idea that somewhere down the road this person is going to be one of your really really dear friends and yeah so I, I just think about that now how hunting has connected me to so many cool people that oh yeah um, and then i've got the benefit of filming for you and meeting a lot of these people along the way too and oh they'd love we gotta, being around you guys yeah that's fun um but. Well, we did we, get to see Wade briefly on that hunt too. So we, oh, you did see. We him. just had lunch on our way home with him okay. and him and Mindy. So that was okay. fun. Cool. Well, every day, not me, but Jonathan and Dale, who were filming the goat hunt, they're like, "Oh, no text from Marcus," or I guess they occasionally would get a text from me. Or <laughs> got close, but yeah, no, no, whatever. It was it was like a weird mix of like challenging but fun times. I don't know. It was, I did, there was a nice bull that I got probably 15 yards from 20, 15, 15, 20. 20? Couldn't see him though. Just knew exactly where he was, but this like, I know he's right there. And then just while we were waiting for him to, you know, it was just like, couldn't get any closer. Yeah. Just waiting for him to make a move, but he smelled us. Oh man. Blew out of there. Was that the one you sent me a picture yeah, of? Yeah, that was that. That was a nice bull. Yeah. I mean, we never saw any like true giant, yeah. giant Arizona bulls like you hear about, but mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, there's some really cool looking bulls down there. It was fun, but. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Well, I wish you would have got one. So what'd you burn? Like three or four points? For uh, I think I had four. Yeah. Yeah. Would you burn four points again for a hunt like that? I think so. Okay. I don't know. That's what, during it, I was like, I was like, mm, no, no, I don't know. But I don't know. I can't remember. It might not take four. I think I'm, I had four, but it might not have actually okay. take, like it was, yeah. I'll have to look, but, um, so maybe I can get it if I have my, I'm going to get my loyalty point, I think this year. Oh, you are? Oh, five so years, been, right? If yeah, you five apply years. For five mm-hmm. years. Oh, so. well, man, there you go. Yeah. So cool. I'll be a little bit closer to maybe uh, drawing something again. Yeah. Well, I wish you would have been on the goat hunt, but you would have hated all the side hilling with your bad ankle. Sometimes the steep stuff is easier. Is it? It's like the it's like the low gradient stuff that I really don't like. Because hmm. when it gets really steep, I just act, I just walk sideways. Like I don't. Oh, okay. I guess it's a little backstory. If any, nobody knows, like I have a partial drop foot so right. like a from a back surgery yeah I had a how old were you when couple you couple back, back surgeries when i was 15 15 and so uh this wow. is nerve damage caused my foot to be messed up and so roll my ankle a lot especially if uh my left foot is downhill yeah but uh yeah if it's really steep it's almost not as bad because i'll just like 
I'll face straight uphill or straight downhill, and then it's like kind of a sidestep. Okay. <laughs> it's, huh. it's I look weird doing it, but it works. <laughs> I make it work. Uh, but yeah. Well, I promised. Uh, or I made Bo and Adam Foss promise they would do a podcast about the goat hunt. Oh, nice. So we're going to do that in full detail. But, I mean, people know that I shot this ancient old billy goat. Uh, and it was just, you know, there are a lot of thoughts going through my head at that time. Just, you know, having spent five of the prior seven weeks with my mom helping her and feeling like I was leaving everybody here in a big lurch. You have that kind of guilt. And so trying to clear your head at that time isn't as easy as I'd hoped <laughs> hoped it would be. But we were lucky. I mean, on our crew, we had Jonathan, Jay Spears, we call him. We had Dale filming. And then a combination of Sitka, Gerber, Mystery Ranch, and Leupold, they hired Adam Foss to come and take still images. Mm -hmm. And you've been on a hunt before with Adam. So, yeah. you know, he's kind of like the Energizer, but Energizer <laughs> Bunny running around. Running there. out to the side, up in front, just yeah. all over you. So we had him and then Bo uh, joined us. And then one of his employees, Jeremy, was there with us. And then Lee McDonald, who is the... I guess, operations guy uh, at the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance. Mm -hmm. uh, he joined us for a few days, but I felt bad. Lee left his old dog with somebody, and the dog got really sick. Oh, so no. the, I think it was night four of the hunt, Lee had to leave. Dang. And uh, that was a bummer because the only reason that hunt happens is because the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance and their volunteers have surveyed that three different summers since 2010 or 11, mm -hmm. something like that. And then Julie, Julie Cunningham, I don't know if we're allowed to say her name, but Julie, <laughs> I'm going to because you do such great work with with working with hunters. Uh, she was able to use these citizen scientists, if that's what you want to call them, right. uh, use their data to establish the first season in 2014. And I spend a lot of time down there elk hunting, so I'd been seeing some of these goats. So they gave away two tags every year, and then they surveyed it again in 2020, the Goat Alliance volunteers did, and the numbers just keep getting higher and higher. And so they added a third tag. Now, right. this year, none of us know who drew tag one, two, or three, but I drew one of them. And one, well, of, one of your buddies, yeah, he drew James, the other one. Yeah, he drew, drew the other one. one. And I don't. Or, know. Well, we thought there was only two at the time. Yeah, but then yeah. there's that third tag. Was, yeah. But what are the odds that you know two people who draw a mountain goat tag? That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's not. I feel like I'm usually like really excited if I'm like even the third degree of separation and I hear about <laughs> someone draw like, oh, dear, so and so drew a goat tag or a sheep tag. It's like. <laughs> It's like, so whenever somebody, you know, draws a moose sheep or goat tag, it's like kind of big news. Yeah. And then you had a moose tag and a goat tag I in the know. same year, which is just crazy. Crazy. And then to have all the things happen that did. But anyhow, you know, I was looking at my journal uh, that I keep of what goes on each day. And we found this Billy that the story actually goes back to 2018 when Michael was with me and we were hunting with uh, Carson Covisto mm -hmm. from uh, Gerber. And we were in there 
and it's a blizzard kind of can't really see up on the ridge and Carson's like what's that up on the ridge and I'm like I don't know it might be a bear because it's so brownish dirty looking and through the snow you really can't tell well later on that day the snow cleared and here's this monstrous brown black dirty filthy looking billy goat standing there (laughs) and I'm like that is the biggest bodied billy goat I think I've ever seen (laughs) He was all by himself, so I didn't really have anything for perspective, but he just looked huge. So I started applying for that unit again. Uh, I'd rotated around a little bit because I thought, well, I'll never draw. Where's an easier place to draw? Well, wouldn't you know this year I draw? Uh, So looking at my journal, going back when I was doing the moose hunting, which was in the same unit, Mm -hmm. we'd... Most of the footage you see in the moose hunt, we're on all these logging roads. I mean, there's roads everywhere. Mm-hmm. You, you well, know. where the moose habitat is. I mean, yeah. It's kind so of... it's like, you know, I'd love to make this look like a wilderness hunt, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to BS anybody. There's roads everywhere. <laughs> so, but a lot of times we drive up high because we aren't seeing moose down low. I'm like, well, maybe they're up high. Maybe we'll catch a glimpse of something. And there's a lot of big openings up there. And I thought, well, we'll go up there and glass. But also, in my mind, I'm like, I wonder if I can relocate that great big old Billy from 2018. So Michael and Dale are with me. We drive up there. I park. And within three minutes, I have grubby or dirty hairy or whatever you want to call him in the spotter and i i set it up i focus it and there he is and i point to it i'm like well there he is i point to the spotter and walk away from it and they're like yeah right sure and they walk over there and he's in the spotter and he's next to another pretty nice billy but looks like it now that i got to see him near other billies it looked like a horse out in a flock of alpacas. <laughs> That's just how big he was. But he wasn't dirty. So I'm like, well, maybe it's not him because he's not all filthy and dirty. So, Well, I imagine they get preened up and, you know, they lose their hair. Yeah, and, and new they, hair well, comes in and they're not if, rutting and yeah. goofing off. And So we saw him September 18th. Uh, September, I'm trying to remember what the dates were. Anyhow, we saw him three days in September Mm -hmm. and then we saw him on October 4th and the next day I shot my moose. You and Jace were down there Mm -hmm. when when we did that. And then I had to get on the plane and go to Minnesota and the whole time I'm just like, oh, I hope nobody goes in there and sees him because he's so accessible. It's <laughs> he's the proverbial stands out like a turd in a punch bowl, man. It's like, oh, no. Well, I came back November 14th, tried to do a month's worth of business ownership, you know, trying to be a, an adult business owner for one day. And then off we go for the goat hunt on November 16th. And we get up there. We got camp set up by about noon one o'clock drive up to where i'd seen him on october 4th and there is so much snow up there marcus bow had called me and said randy we're gonna have to chain up to get to that trailhead i'm like yeah. no way there's no snow anywhere in the in around bozeman he's like i'm i'm telling you yeah <laughs> he was right there was so much snow up there and it's these big cornices of wind blowing snow on these ridges where we'd been seeing them and there's not a goat track 
anywhere. There's not a track of anything yeah. other than you could see where a cornice would break free and it would slide down an avalanche chute. I'm like, crap. All right, let's go back to camp. We just aren't looking close enough. Well, I'm looking, Bo is looking, Jeremy's looking. You know, we got Jonathan, Dale, Lee, uh, Adam. We're all looking. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen a track. So we go back the next morning, and again, we there's not a track. And this snow is probably four or five days old. If there were goats in there, you'd see tracks within four or five days. So I'm like, crap. Now where did he go? <laughs> you know, I, I have no idea where he went. And so we go around the other side of the unit that afternoon because I told the guys, look, I, I'm dumb, but I'm not stupid. I can tell you that there's been no goats here. They're gone. So let's go somewhere else. Well, we go over there and... Uh, Trail Kreitzer from Go Hunt, mm-hmm. he and Chris Neville had, had texted me and said, hey, on our way to go deer hunting in Montana, you got any places we can maybe do a quick look for elk mm-hmm. uh, for a day or so? I'm like, well, here's some spots, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure there. But So we drive into the other side. As we're driving into the trailhead, here's Trail and Chris driving back out. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, fancy meeting you guys. And they're like, thought you were in Minnesota. I'm like, no, my siblings arranged it so I could come back for my goat hunt, blah, blah, blah. And Trail's like, you got a goat tag? I'm like, yeah, for this unit right here. I'm the last tag holder. He whips out his phone. He says, you see that drainage up to the north, that one spot where you gave us a glassing spot? We we climbed in there. Didn't see any deer, didn't see any elk, but look at these billy goats we saw. I'm like, Wow looked at it and I'm like oh that's a pretty nice one but in my mind i'm thinking he's not as big as i expected him to be and he says yeah we just climbed off that big ridge up there and we saw a couple goats in the trees over just right across the canyon mm-hmm. well we break out our spotting scopes from right there and there's 12 of them <laughs> and Bo, being Bo Beatty, gets all excited. He's like, there, there's one huge one in there. We, we got to get closer. <laughs> all right. So we drive up to the trailhead, and it's about a mile and a half hike to where you can get to the canyon lip and glass. And now you're only like 1,000 yards away. And we get up there, and we all set up, set up our spotting scopes and instantly. Everybody is like, look at that filthy, dirty one right there. He, oh, man, he is so filthy. And look how big he is. And so I can't tell you for sure, Marcus, if it's him. Yeah. But based on body size, based on the fact that he would only have to follow that cliff face to the west three, four miles mm-hmm. and then drop down into this canyon, I, I asked Julie, she's like, you should see our tracking information now that we have collared goats. She said he could do that in a day yeah. or in an afternoon. She right. said it. If he looks a lot like the one you saw three years ago, there's a really good chance it's him. So I don't know for sure if it is, but. Either way, it's a giant billy goat. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and so we, we realize he's got a broken horn, a pretty good break off one mm-hmm. side. And then on the other side, Adam said, I think the other side might be broke too, but I can't really tell. And so it was too late that time to go after him. Uh, we end up seeing him again, but then we see another goat that 
looks possibly as big and easier to get to while we make a loop on that, get there 174 yards. It's just the world's longest nanny all by herself, stretched out, laying on her belly with her feet out in front of her. (laughs) So she looked like this huge bodied thing. Gotcha. So, but no other goats with her. I think she just went there to die. Hmm. She looked like the most withered, like lanky old gal in the world. Hmm. So we left that. So now we go back. And we meet up with Bo and Jeremy, and they're over there glassing. And Bo's like, you got to get over there and kill them, man. Look, at they're, they're in the same cliffs. And I'm looking at my watch. It's now like almost 3 o'clock. I'm like, no, I ain't doing that. I just, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's a trek to get over there around and everything. So I, then the next day we go there. We find them again in the same cliffs. We make this huge loop. We get above them, come down on them, and now it snowed about five or six inches. And this steep stuff is just slippery as, mm. you know, yeah. as my grandpa used to say, slicker than deer guts on a doorknob. <laughs> That's how slippery it was. Well, we're getting close, and on my go hunt maps, I'm like, all right, it says we're only about 100 yards away. Where are they? They got to be in these cliffs somewhere. Right. And as I start easing forward, Gravity takes me and my feet go under me. And fortunately, Spear is filming this. <laughs> down I go. I'm sliding down the snow and oh, I go geez. past this tree and I just grab it with my right hand and it swings me around. And I dust myself off and I look back at the cameras and I'm cussing because all the noise I made and I know I'm really close. And uh, they, they're kind of laughing like, oh, that was a kind of a good scare. And I take about one step forward and I hear Jonathan say, 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock. And I look and there's a nanny down there looking at me at like 60 or 70 yards. Mm. So we just squat down, all four of us. It's me, Jay Spear, Dale, and Adam. And then Bo and, and Lee and Jeremy are across the canyon. Given They had an orange vest that was kind of the... Uh, I don't know, hand signal. Right, go left, right, up, down. And Bo is having a conniption fit over there, man. (laughs) He's just like, no, it was Lee who was actually over there. Uh, He's doing everything with this vest. Uh, So we got pinned down there the rest of the day. And some of those goats fed within 30 or 40 yards of us. Oh, wow, that's cool. And a couple of them were nice goats. And I'm watching, I'm watching, and... We've been there for over an hour, sitting in the snow, pinned down. The sun's going down. And I'm like, none of them are the guy we're looking for. Any other day, any other time, I would have shot that one that (laughs) fed right up underneath us at 50 yards. Beautiful classic Billy, hooks way back, kind Mm. of a yellowish tinge. But he didn't look that much bigger than the nannies compared to this guy. And I turned to the crew, I'm like, Go out there and film them all you want because I'm not shooting one. <laughs> and Adam looks at me and says, all right, before we do that, would you come back up here and shoot one of these on the last day? And I said, no. Yeah. He said, all right, then I guess we should go film them. So <laughs> he moved out and started taking pictures. Dale and Jonathan are filming them. And they didn't act all that scared other hmm. than they start easing down the cliffs below us. So we make this big loop and sliding off that doesn't take much time at all 
we gotcha. get down off that cliff and back to that canyon and we come walking out and the cliff faces on our right. Mm-hmm. And I look and there's three goats there. And I'm like, wow, we bumped them down really low. I click it, 323 yards. I didn't bother to look at them even. It's, you know, low light. I'm right. like, let's get out of here before it gets dark. Well, we get there and we meet up with Lee. He's like, didn't you see him? There were, the, the big one was with a group of three right down below you guys, about 200, 300 yards. I'm like, you can't see 40 yards down those cliffs. You lose vision. He's like, Grubby was in that group. And I'm like, oh no, we walked right past him without really giving it a lot of thought. And when we got to the truck, to the trailhead where Bo was glassing from, he's like, oh man, what, what were you doing, man? He was right there. <laughs> I'm like, I know, I feel terrible, but no, oh, well. And then the next day, we go back in there and repeat the whole same thing. And to make a, a story a little faster, uh, we see him on these same cliff bands, but now they're at 330 to 340. Mm-hmm. And we're in this big boulder field from an avalanche. And there is not a place to shoot. You know, it's snow-covered boulders. We're on the north side of a mountain face, so it's shaded. It's cold in there, all the snow. We take my pack and Dale's pack, and we stack it on the biggest rock we can find. And I sit down in a pocket of boulders about the size of a beach ball each of them are, and trying to find a comfortable shooting place. The packs are rolling, so we take sticks and trekking poles and poke them under each side of, each four sides of the pack to keep this set up from rolling. Yeah. And I'm practicing. And, you know, you get 12 goats that are all kind of in the doing what goats do in the rut. There were four billies and one, or uh, eight nannies. But this big guy, he he just ran the show, man. There was another one there that's almost, I think would score better than the one I shot. Mm. But body size? Yeah. He was afraid of dirty, hairy, or (laughs) grubby, whatever you want to call him. So it was pretty obvious between how filthy it was and just the way the other billies responded when he got near. So... Uh, I need to work on my shooting uphill at really, really steep angles. I mean, we're talking like super steep angles. I ranged Not it at 340 or something like that. And as the ballistic range, the line of sight range was like 410. And uh, just trying to get yourself oh, yeah. to address the rifle in a in a manner you're comfortable with. So everybody's like, we're ready. I've been dry firing. Yeah, okay, set my dial to 340. That's the ballistic range. All right. Adam's got his uh, phone on slow-mo using a phone scope through his spotter. Gotcha. And then Dale and and, uh, Jonathan have our cameras running. I'm like, all right, you guys ready? Boom. I hear this ping, like crack on a rock. And Adam's like, Way over him. Right. What? All right. So now the adult language enters the picture. I don't <laughs> right. know how much of this footage we're going to be. At least the audio we aren't going to be able to use. <laughs> I hold the same exact place and Adam says, just over him. Right. Your shots were within a couple inches of each other. I'm like, what? How can that be? Put another one in and uh, held a little bit lower. And he'd moved about four steps at this time. Boom. And I hear this crack. 
And Adam's like, you smashed that big rock right behind him. Like, so point of it being that day I end up missing them and, and we wait there for them, but they get a little bit spooked and they move off and come back. I'm really, I'm really moaning the blues because I shouldn't, I shouldn't miss that shot. Well, yeah. I was convinced maybe I'd messed up my rifle or something. So on our way out, there's still little daylight. And right across the canyon, there's this great big dirt berm that's got snow on it, except one little bald spot has a rock about the size of a softball. Mm-hmm. And I range it, it's 165 yards. I told Dale, get behind me and mark me on this. I lay on this big flat rock. I mean, like the perfect mm-hmm. level straight across, you know, no up or downhill angle. And so I lay behind that, practice my breathing, make sure everything's perfect. Boom. Pew! break a chip off that rock. I was like, you got the rock. I'm like, yeah, I was afraid of that. <laughs> Put a second round in. Right. I mean, like yeah. just right at the top of the rock. So it's not the rifle, which is good and bad. Yeah. Because if it's the rifle, you're like, well, I was doing it right. And the rifle was wrong. I, I can get the dial or the rifle dialed back in and my confidence will be there. Well, when it's not the equipment, you know it's you. It's the only remaining factor. So the confidence of what I'm doing at that time isn't very good. Yeah. So. Well, that's the thing. I mean, how do you practice for those kind of shot angles without just going and practicing in goat train? Like, you almost Uh, have to. But Mm -hmm. we're thinking about it, too, and, like, how do you make making sure your gun's level. It's almost like you need a bubble on your scope or yeah, something. To, yeah. and I, I've seen people, I guess, put, you can yeah. get little add-on things. I but yeah, it's one. Like, what's that? Yeah. Phil gave me one, and I oh, have gotcha. one, but I have it on a different rifle. Gotcha. And I do think, because the first two shots were slightly right, I do think I probably had a cant, a slight well, cant I mean, to this, my... The steeper the angle is, I imagine, it's just like when you're not having a normal horizon that you're used to looking at you're just like yeah exactly anyhow that was really really frustrating that that was day five we've been trekking around for five days and we finally get a shot 340 yards and i airball it i mean but adam he's like you know the good news is you're consistent when you miss He said, those first two shots hit that same rock within like two inches of each other. Hmm. I'm like, well, I guess that's all right, but that still didn't kill him. (laughs) Better than like going over and under. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Bo and Adam and, you know, Dale and Jonathan and everybody's trying to cheer me up. And by this time, Leah's had to leave because of his sick dog. So we, we come back the next day. And we see them right at daylight. They're in a different set of cliffs, though. And I'm like, guys, let's go. It's going to be a long day. Let's go right now. Mm -hmm. We we don't need to screw around here. So it's, like I said, a mile and a half to our glassing spot. We stop there, check everything out, see what the wind's doing. Bo and Jeremy say, look, we're going to stay right here in glass. We got the orange vest trick again. Yep. Me and Dale and Jonathan and and Adam do our same track. Go down into this canyon to the back end, go up the other side in the cliffs above them. And uh, we can't find them. It's like, 
what the heck? Well, I'd let us way too high up uh, on the mountain to where this elk was. So we could have shot that elk. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't say we could have shot it. We were right there. We'd glassed him earlier. Gotcha. And we were like, if we would have went looking for him, we would have found him because there's not much in the way of trees up in those cliffs. Uh, and I'd asked uh, Jonathan, yeah. like, yo, Jay Spear, you want to shoot an elk? He looked at me like, really? <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, we're going to try to kill this billy goat. <laughs> so we're coming down these cliffs, and now we got even more snow. And it's so steep and so slippery that when we get to where the cliffs actually cliff out, like mm-hmm. straight down, I'm afraid if one of us slip and fall, we're going 30 feet to our right, 40 feet to our left, or 150 feet off the front. Not good, yeah. And... I remember you telling me about your brother shooting a mountain goat. Yeah. Who, he tried to keep it from going over a cliff, you said. Yeah, we did not succeed. (laughs) Went over. But fortunately, your brother didn't go over. No, yeah, yeah. So the goat went over. My brother stopped. He let go of it before. uh... (sighs) But yeah, it was uh, not good. It was like, I was like 200 feet down probably. Yeah. And, And so we're in one of those places. And I look at Jonathan and Dale and I said, look, this is an employer's instruction. You guys aren't going out to that itty bitty little tiny pointed rock out there because if you slip, you're dead. And Adam walks up to me. He says, well, I'm an independent contractor. I'm going to look at it. (laughs) So he's like rock hopping down there and he's such a nimble guy. Yeah. And he gets out there, and I can't even look. I'm like, if he slips, I'm calling Frankie to say, I don't know exactly where he is, but last time we saw him, he was on that cliff face. <laughs> and uh, and I get vertigo. If, if I stand on a rock and I look either straight down or straight up with binoculars, I start getting vertigo. Mm. And he's doing that. <clears throat> and within about five minutes, he turns around, he hops back up. He's like, well, that wasn't worth it. You can't see anything down there. It's too <laughs> steep. <laughs> I wanted to say, well, you know, you ought to listen to the old guy, you know. He, I told you it was, you know, too risky. But uh, so we make this big loop, and we're, there's one cliff face that juts further away from the mountainside. So I thought if we got out there, we could look back in a little bit. And so we do that, and we get there, and we see three nannies. Mm. And they've seen us because they've heard us. It's so noisy gotcha, coming yeah. down there. They're kind of standing on their cliff like, what's making all the noise over there? Well, they disappear and we look across the canyon and Bo is over there having a fit, <laughs> running back and forth with this orange vest, like, go this way, go that one. So I look at him like, well, what that tells me is we must have scared him because <laughs> Bo's running to the east. He just, he, yeah. he walks over to Jeremy and then he runs real fast to the east. So I said, we got to drop off these cliffs in the canyon bottom and we're going back up to where I missed yesterday and I'm going to build a real shooting rest. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we do that. We go up there and there's, we can see the, like, the shoulders and heads of two, what we think are nannies, way up in the cliff. So I'm like, hmm, that's no good. That's over 400 yards, just ballistic range. So I start building this monstrous shooting rest. I found a bunch of dead spruce trees. And mm-hmm. so I've got this great big tree going horizontal 
leaned up against two other spruce trees. And now I've got really wide shooting lanes in the trees in front of me, so I'm not constrained like I was the night before. And I found a super nice flat piece of, like, moss that grows in the lodge poles, you mm-hmm. know. Kicked all the snow out of that, put my butt pad down, trimmed all the, the stuff off, and now I'm feeling better. I put my pack behind me, and then I told Dale, get over here with your pack and brace my back. You just... L- Put your pack behind my pack and push on me. Because the angle is so steep, your core muscles start getting Dang. Like, weak. Yeah. So we're doing that. And the guy that's, I think, are probably looking at me like, man, he's an optimist. He thinks we're going to get a <laughs> shot here. About 20, 30 minutes later, here comes Grubby <laughs> chasing nannies. Not not chasing them like a bull elk does or that a whitetail does, but just bumping them. Yeah, you know, and then sniffing, bumping, and and everyone else is giving him a wide berth. Well, I range him and he's three hundred and thirty yards, but he's got a nanny right behind him. Like crap. Well, he turns now. All he sees is butt, and they start walking straight up the hill or the cliffs, and he gets out on this ledge. And I range it 384. I mean, he's like, shoot me. Come on. I dare you. Yeah. He's broadside. Well, I tell the guys, look, I couldn't hit him at 340 or 337. How am I going to hit him at 384? And I I had my, uh, you know, Leupold sent me those prototype range finding binos. Yeah. Well, I also <laughs> had my uh, uh, handheld range finder with me and I put that on line of sight. Gotcha. Because I'm thinking if I got some wind, the wind, you know, actually influences based on line of sight, right. not TBR. So, and I have Dale ranging too, because I'm like, I might be, maybe I'm screwing this up. I need as many points <laughs> yeah. of verification as yeah, I can yeah. get. And uh, I'm like, I'm not taking that shot. So now there's a big batch of trees to our right above this other smaller cliff. And they start messing around over there. And seven or eight of these nannies and a couple billies pop up on that little ledge. And we're like, all right, he's going to come out there. He's going to come out there. And we're looking there, just waiting, waiting. We can see goats walking around in the trees. And all of a sudden, Jonathan says, is that Grubby right out there in front of us? (laughs) Grubby comes walking and stands within a foot of where I'd missed him the day before. Oh, geez. Yeah, we're in a, you know, probably 50 yards further east from our shooting position. And so I get everything ready. And I'm like, all right, I am, I, I'm never, I'm going to concentrate on this shot, like no shot I've ever concentrated on. So I sit there and I'm breathing and I'm breathing. And he's just standing there. No wind, really, nothing. Just like, I dare you, buddy. Perfect broadside. I'm like, you guys ready? Everyone's like, yeah, we're ready. Boom. Adam's like, you're a foot high. I'm like, it can't be. He's like, trust me. Your wind is just perfect, but you're a foot high. All right. So the, the goat, you know, like often when you miss high, they don't get spooked. He just looks around. All right, put another one in. And I went through a bunch more breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. And now I drop it a little, what I thought was enough. Ping, boom, hit the same rock. Adam was like, you hit the same rock, just about eight or 10 inches lower. I'm like, this is like deja vu so bad. 
Oh, man. The, the Billy now walks left, not runs, just takes a couple steps, hides, and now he's obscured a little bit by a smaller rock, and then he takes a few more steps. He's behind a tree. And I'm like, Adam, are you sure I'm hitting that high? He's like, look, I'm watching it in slow motion on my camera here. I yeah. can tell you exactly where you're hitting. <laughs> he said, you're going to have to hold a lot lower. I'm like, all right. If I get another shot, I'm holding at the chest hair on the bottom of his chest. And and that's just so counter to everything I do to mm-hmm. hold off body. So we uh, wait and wait and wait. He takes a, like a half step out, and now he's got one limb over his vital. And then he takes yeah. that next step. And he's just kind of overlooking the canyon like, hey, I'm Johnny Badass, man. You know, uh, these gals are all mine. (laughs) And so I go through all these breathing things again. And I remember almost holding, you know, for a perfect chest hit. And I started putting pressure on the trigger. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second, Randy. Drop it down. So I drop it to where the last little shags of hair are right behind his front elbow. And I shoot, and it sounded different, and Adam's like, you drilled him. Maybe a little high, but looked like a perfect shot. I'm like, you're kidding me. I thought for sure I was going to hit somewhere below him. Well, he starts walking up the hills like nothing even happened, walking through the cliffs, doing his thing. Walks over to where all these other goats are, walks back in the trees. This is like three or four minutes. And we're getting glimpses of him. There's no blood, no nothing. I'm like, I, I couldn't have hit him. We, we'd see blood or something on that white coat. And Adam's like, I, I think he hit him. Well, he comes and walks over and stands near all these nannies. And the good news is he's so much bigger and dirtier than them that there's no way you're going to mistake him for a nanny. Right. But he goes way right. Now I got to move to the left to get around this tree that's between me and him. So this beautiful shooting rest I'd put together, gone. <laughs> oh, no. I got to go to the butt end of this big dead tree that I'd laid horizontally. I crouched down. crouched down. I got my right elbow on my right knee. I'm pushing against the tree that's along my shoulder and Dale's right behind me. And, uh, he's kind of faced, he's quartering towards us and he's looking around like, what the hell's going on here? Mm -hmm. So I held right below that point of that shoulder and I ended up hitting him right in the bottom of the neck in front of the front shoulder Mm. and gotcha blowing out the top of his neck and he starts rolling down that cliff well i'm hoping he's gonna roll to the bottom no he only (laughs) makes it about 50 feet and he gets hung up on the one dead tree (laughs) on that cliff face of course so he's still you know how they are you know he's still a few nerves and stuff and i'm like oh no what's going on and this is where it's so unfortunate that i was so mad at myself at that point at my shooting that I just started marching up the hill. And normally, you know, after we shoot, you guys slow me down and say, hey, what are you thinking? I am just so mad at myself that I don't want to talk. I don't want anything. I know it's going to be dark in 20 minutes. I know we got to get up that cliff. It's going to take us an hour. I'm just... 
So I stopped and gave Jonathan about two sentences that was mostly like, I don't deserve to own a firearm. If I can't shoot any better than that, well, we get up there and he's every bit as big as we thought he was. Probably bigger than we thought he was. And he's broke probably in at least an inch and a quarter, maybe more off one side and on the other side, probably a half inch. But even at that, he's still oh, yeah. over nine inches long on the one side and over six inches on the bases. And Adam has probably hunted mountain goats more than all the rest of us combined living in British Columbia and all the mountain hunting they do. And so when we do get up there and he's just, he's tangled up in this tree and I'm afraid he's going to break free and roll down this avalanche chute and bring all of us with him because we're below him. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, Adam looks at his, opens his mouth. He's like, this is the oldest billy goat I think I've ever seen in my life. Dang. Like, really? He's like, yeah. And so we get to looking at it. He's got two lower teeth, and then just to the side of that, he's got about a half of another tooth. That's all he had left. <laughs> and when we skinned him, so he crazy. was just nothing. I mean, just so gaunt and, and wore down. And yeah, it's the rut, but I don't know how he could have recovered. Huh. to get enough to get through the winter. But here's the interesting part. We do a full body mount, skinning out for a full body mount. The first shot where Adam assures me through the slow-mo that I hit him, it was a perfect hit. It went low in the chest on the driver's side, mm-hmm. came out high on the chest on the passenger side, completely took out the closest lung and clipped the top lung or the offside lung. And he stayed on his feet for four minutes and he had so much fur that you, you could not see a bullet hole in that thing. Even when we got up there on the cliff. That is so wild. Yeah. They're just uh, tough critters. Yeah. I mean, just living out there all year up in the rocks and the snow and the, yeah, it's just gnarly. I, I was asking Julie, I'm like, how can they stay on their feet that long? She said, well, a couple of things. Mountain goats have super low metab- metabolic rate or whatever, or heart rate or whatever. Gotcha. She said, you think about how much blood this guy's got in his body. Yeah. And at that super low heart rate, or I'm, I'm messing it up. She explained it better, but this is an accountant interpreting <laughs> what a scientist would say. She said, think about how long it takes for them to run out of oxygenated blood. So she said, he was dead. He just didn't know it. Yeah. And so I guess when you shoot him in the neck, then they know it. <laughs> so That's wild. Uh, yeah. The first shot was the absolute perfect shot, even though I held off body. Yeah. And I, I'll be honest with you, Marcus, if we wouldn't have had everyone there and, you know, people giving me, hey, hi and you know, right. how high. I would have, I would have again shot three shots right over his back. So I have no idea what I'm doing when I'm shooting in those concocted positions at super steep angles, but I'm doing something wrong. Hmm. I, I don't know what it is. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah, I don't know. It's so. it's not something you practice for every day. It's just like <laughs> how do you? Like you said, how would you? I I don't. Short I don't, of you, just go hike into goat terrain and. Yeah. Do it, I guess. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Well, the fun part was that Bo and Jeremy, we could see their headlamps. Bo got so excited, he lost his phone on the way over to where we were. He had to backtrack, go find his phone. 
And somehow we found it in the dark and in the snow. Wow. I don't know how. And then they get up there to us. And then we got to figure out how do we keep this thing from rolling off the cliff and <laughs> skinny him out in a full body manner. Oh, man. So we got back to camp almost. I think it was a, just before midnight that night. But, so when we got to the trailhead, I will admit that I was on fumes. I, I imagine. And I, on the way out, it was a beautiful night hiking out you know, listening to the guys talk and the excitement of finally, you know, <laughs> yeah, just how it is when you're going out at night and your packs are full and all I could think about, you know what, I don't need to shoot another goat after this. It's, <laughs> it's not going to get any better than this. Just yeah. the experience, the people, the, the story of a goat I think I found three years ago, the six days of chasing them around and yeah. I'll leave that to young guys like you. <laughs> so, but so that was That's kind of awesome. the wrap of our of our season. I think was it? Did you? Yeah, no. I, other, I shot a few pheasants. Other than did sharp, you? A few pheasants, a few sharp tails. Really? Here and there. Where did you find any lead ammo to to shoot with? Everybody? I've been hoarding it. No. Oh, <laughs> no. there we go. Huh? No, actually, I did buy. I bought some this year. Bought some. Uh, I had yeah. some twelve gauge ammo. Hmm. Everyone tells me that, that they're out of good upland ammo. So. Yeah, that I, I'm gonna have to start shooting. I have a 20 gauge and a 12 gauge, and well, now I'm, yeah, I'm starting to get a collection of guns. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I inherited some guns, but yeah. Um, so I got I got a lot of 20 gauge ammo that I can go through. So yeah, set up uh, for bird hunting, which we still do. Technically, that season's still going. So yeah, it is. Gonna go chase some ducks here mm-hmm. tomorrow, and, and then Montana yeah. decided, in all their infinite wisdom, that we don't pressure our deer and elk long enough with our eleven weeks of combined archery and rifle, plus the shoulder seasons for however long that right. goes. So now, what do we got? A ten-day muzzleloader season or something? Yeah, eleventh through the nineteenth yeah. or something. So, is, and it's supposed to be primitive weapon. Did you did you read what the requirements are? It's like it's pretty yeah minimalist. Mi- yeah, muzzleloader. Yeah. How many guys do you think are going to go out there with their high-tech muzzleloaders with well, hopefully know, they, the they wrong don't. powders, the wrong bullets? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. so It is I, what it is. I don't know. It's yeah. just like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I won't be doing it. I'll, we I'll, have a, it, it isn't surprise. We have a lot of season in Montana as is, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to lighten up on my, my, uh, analysis because it, I'm, I'm sure people are tired of me talking about how we are getting to the point where I'm afraid Montana, we just are hunting them too hard yeah, and we're pushing them onto private land more and more and more. And the only elk and deer that survive are the ones that become acclimated to private lands. Right. And so there's fewer and fewer on public lands. Maybe I'm wrong in that analysis, but... I oh, just, it's definitely true in, in certain areas. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, and it, what I, do you do? I mean, there's just like a catch twenty two. Like most, or well, there's yeah. Time, another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, that's we probably have that another. White, that's a whole other. Yeah, podcast. we have that on the whiteboard as another podcast topic. So uh, no, I've uh, I've got an amazing amount of appreciation for you and the crew and the way you guys have just grabbed everything marcus and and done 
such amazing stuff when I had to be gone. I, I can't well, thank you guys enough. And no, that's, I mean, life happens and you, you got to be there. You got to, yeah, got to be there for your mom. And yeah, well, I appreciate you allowing us to go out and, and do that stuff too. Cause yeah. we, it's fun doing it and try to tell cool stories and yeah. see if we can do it justice. But well, it sounds like we've got some pretty cool ones. And, yeah. Uh, well, uh, just for people who are wondering, uh, you know, we started the Fresh Tracks Plus platform. Everything rolls out there first. Uh, and then within, I don't know, depends on the, the content, three to four weeks later, ends up on YouTube. Uh, but YouTube is hammering us so bad. I just... I don't I wish I knew how to solve that problem. I don't think YouTube really cares about <laughs> me complaining and and feeling that we're we're getting a bad shake. Not just us, but you know, anybody who produces our type of content or shooting content. So yeah, right now we'll just yeah. deal with the hand we're dealt. <laughs> so but uh you guys really have have got me through a really difficult stretch here and it means a lot to me so thanks a ton and those of you who are listening uh so many of you have sent kind warm thoughts uh whether it's you know on social media or on my hunt talk forum or if you somehow have my email address uh I can't tell you how much that helps uh, for me and my siblings and my mom. Uh, it makes it makes a really tough hill a lot easier to climb. And uh, thanks to all of you, uh, you guys here at the office, and and those of you listening, those of you who watch. Uh, the good news is, uh, I have internet now. Back in in minnesota uh got it hooked up at my mom so i'm gonna get caught up on podcasts all right i I put together a list of people who've agreed agreed to be on podcasts people are going to get tired of how many hunt talk radio podcasts are going to roll out here in the next six weeks (laughs) we got a lot of making up to do so uh those of you who still listen and follow us uh super super thankful for uh for for that support and uh when you see marcus and and Bo and dale and jonathan and the crew out hunting uh i'm sure you'll be more entertained than if it was just me and my ugly mug out there moping around and i don't know about that telling telling (laughs) big stories but the good news is it's already application season for us marcus it's crazy i mean it's already here yeah Idaho general stuff already happened. That yeah, crazy. That was, was that yesterday? No, day before Two yesterday. Days ago, yeah. Two that days was ago? like the. I didn't even try. I'm just gonna. I was number fourteen thousand something. Yeah. And you know what I did last night? I went online, and there were still a small handful of tags for the tag uh, for the deer tag I wanted. Oh, well, there you go. So I bought it. Nice. And I didn't have to sit and at my computer for two days. But here's what is in my mind. I've never hunted that unit. I've never hiked that unit. I've just driven by it and said, boy, this would be a cool place. This kind of has my some intrigue to me. Something tells me I'm about to find out why there were leftover tags there after two days. <laughs> when there's that much demand for all these other tags and all right. these other units, why does this unit still have deer tags left? I guess yeah. I'll get a chance to find out this yeah. fall. 
I found that out the hard way this year. <laughs> you did. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, it's because it's winter range and uh, there's no elk here. <laughs> That's yeah. why you could get this tag as well. <laughs> there was like seven elk there. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I made a donation to the coffers of Idaho. So. Hey, you never know though. I mean, yeah, but now that I have the license, I'll apply for some of their controlled hunts right? either for moose or if I don't do moose, I'll do deer, elk, and antelope in yeah. June. But I don't know, so that's weird. So that's yeah. way late, right? Like, because yeah. the, the controlled hunts, yeah, are late. for their deer, elk, and antelope are like June 5th, or it's almost 8th. after it's like one of the later, yeah, of anything else. So, you just gotta here's what you gotta do this year, Marcus you gotta kill an Alaska moose, we'll see, you gotta get a Montana elk. With your bow and a Colorado deer. Yeah, I have a bunch of Colorado points that I got to get rid of. Yeah. So if I said those are your three requirements in, in your employer-employee evaluation. <laughs> that That's you, a... That you're man, con- I think you're going to make some people jealous. Of that. <laughs> I feel pretty spoiled hearing that as my uh, and, requirements. And here's the other thing. You are like the ace who's figured out how to use the first come first serve system in Nevada. So I fully expect <laughs> you're going to get a sheep tag down there off their leftover list. <laughs> yeah, I just need someone to turn back a sheep tag. That'd be great. <laughs> if, uh, I'll just make this public statement. If you manage to get a sheep tag in 2022 off the Nevada leftover list, I'll give you a thousand dollar bonus. <laughs> That's a, wow, okay. <laughs> and I'll pay for your hunt to go down there and we get to film it. All right, all right. I'll, I'm, I'm going to try. <laughs> like I was trying today. There was one take, there's one season left in the. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully yeah. we have a little bit of fun around here. Oh, yeah. uh, I've been back for a couple of days. Uh, it's fun to come back and catch up with everybody, but. I'm uh, heading out in the morning and be gone for another, you know, another session, but I'll be back. Uh, yep. And uh, now that I have internet, though, I can attend virtual meetings and everything else. So, but. Well, folks, that's a wrap for the the 2021 season for Fresh Tracks. I think between Marcus and I, we, we covered every, every hunt people are going to see that we filmed this year. Yeah, pretty much. I think. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. Well, if we didn't, I guess I'll get to see it when it comes out on video. Yeah. So, heck with them. But yeah. anyhow, thanks, Marcus. I kept you off along today, and I kept the audience off along today. But appreciate all your work. Oh, happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Stay well. We'll uh, be talking to you again pretty soon. When the sun keeps Yeah.